Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope you all are well. On this, uh, we're now on Thursday, October 7th, 2021, and we are live here at the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, and uh, have we got some stories for you guys tonight. Hope you all are doing well. We are live here at the foxhole.app as well as uh, pill.net, twitch.tv, and clouthub. Hope everyone's finding their Thursday evening fine. We had a little bit of an early start today here at the Mr. C channels. For uh, those of you out there in podcast land, you may not be aware, uh, but we are actually uh, we actually broadcasted uh, a live stream feed of the uh, House on Committee um, uh, House on Committee um, hearing today, um, and uh, that was over the uh, Arizona audit. That's right. It was quite an interesting presentation. That's uh, the House Committee um, on Oversight and um, Reform. Now, um, boy, oh boy, you know, uh, fair warning would have told everyone that uh, that uh, hearing that we had this morning was intended from the beginning to be um, a sham type of hearing. I mean, that was its intention from the start. Uh, but unfortunately, I was not early up enough to warn everyone in the, who joined us in that live stream feed. Uh, it was pretty interesting, guys. But uh, that's what I'm saying. If you're over at our uh, podcast and you have any interest whatsoever in checking out the live stream, well, then I highly recommend to get your butt on over to uh, pill.net or the foxhole.app. Or you can always stop by the website, thecreport.com, to get information on uh, where you can catch the show. Uh, we probably will not put the uh, Arizona hearing on uh, the podcast side of the show, uh, so you can definitely catch it there. Or if you're a purist, uh, you might be able to find it on some other types of uh, platforms, like uh, maybe ScrewTube will still have it up. I mean, honestly, I would not doubt that uh, YouTube and all of its benefactors um, would rather enjoy featuring that little sham hearing that they had today. It was pretty bad, but um, with the uh, with the scope, with knowing the scope of what its intentions were, well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess it's uh, easy to understand why it would be the way that it is. But uh, nevertheless, we'll get into that in just a minute. We won't uh, talk about too many of the highlights, just maybe... Uh, a few things that caught my interest and I thought I would share it with you all. Uh, it was about a three, three and a half hours long that hearing was. And uh, it was uh, it was a total swamp fest and uh, it was a uh, highly, highly upsetting to many of the Patriot viewers. And uh, well, uh, I would not expect anything less than that considering the amount of lies and deceit and uh, ill will intention that was just streaming off of that. But I do thank everyone who uh, was there this morning while we were doing that here at Mr. C Channel and Mr. C TV. Uh, it was definitely a fun event. We even had a we even had a few audiences out there at Twitch and Cloud Hub interested in what the heck was going on. So uh, yeah, that was actually a pretty. Uh, it was it was an occasion for community. That's for sure. Uh, but it was uh, it was an occasion for our community to watch the absolute shipwreck that was known as the uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and the Democrats 
trying to have a field day with um, one of the, um, I would say, one of the most sacred privileges of we of the United States of America, uh, but also with uh, the first such type of event ever to occur in our nation's history, that, of course, being a full forensic audit of an election never done before, guys, and they want to they wanna make a mockery out of it like nobody's business. Let me tell you what. All right. Uh, aside from that, you know, uh, we had a whole bunch of other things going on today. Uh, let's see here. Uh, wanted to dip into this story about, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, something about uh, forcing men to, to have abortions. Uh-huh. Well, no, maybe not quite exactly. Although I'm pretty sure that the liberal left has, uh, or the left-leaning liberal have uh, espoused such type of notions and conspiracy theories. Uh, but um, um, forced uh, forced vasectomies and uh, and uh, the ability to open up litigation against someone who uh, makes a woman pregnant. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe we will uh, wait on that story. Uh, before I get into that, uh, uh, illegitimate Joe Biden falling apart left and right. Um, it seems like they just uh, cannot, uh, they cannot seem to uh, pin that man down. It's like uh, just when they think they've got illegitimate joke right where they want him, he starts fumbling and mumbling into space and thereby shatters their dreams of uh, it being an easier job than it should have been. I mean, they, uh, I would imagine Secret Service and the handlers have a much harder time trying to uh, keep someone safe and, uh, you know, make sure they get right press coverage. But when you got someone like illegitimate joke who cannot even follow the simple directions of the sidewalk turns here, sir, and off he goes into the sunset across the lawn of whatever... I don't know, White House it is that they're at. Apparently, America's getting pretty upset, too, about that entire fake White House set. Now, I mean, obviously, uh, you would think that um, if they were going to show pictures of that or allow photographers in, uh, they would do a better job of hiding all of the, uh, I don't know, the track lights and uh, the rigging and uh, the soundstage equipment and all that stuff. Makes you wonder why they did it for sure. But uh, we already knew that he wasn't reporting out of the real White House. So it does make you wonder why they chose to share it. There was never any kind of uh, never any kind of reasoning behind, uh, you know, um, uh, President Biden is using a uh, fake White House soundstage because um, they're fumigating the White House. I mean, that would have sufficed. It, it would have been much better to have given, um, you know, uh, dreaming America that type of an excuse. Now they're like, kind of like, <laughs> fake White House, oh, fake president. And then they go back to sleep. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the case, but, uh, you know, uh, but there's a lot of people who are actually making a big deal about that. From what I understand, it seems like uh, it's becoming a trend on some of the social media platforms where they're referring to Joe Biden as uh, what a fake president you don't say america so yeah i don't know i don't know what's up with that i don't know why they uh why they were so uh giving of uh you know information in regards to this entire soundstage they have him on 
Makes no sense at all. But uh, I guess they know what they're doing, right? Or maybe not. I think usually it uh, more often than not, it would seem that uh, that's why Joe Biden is where he is. Because the man is totally, his brain has just turned to mush. It seems. It seems. But, uh, you know. I guess just that's the way it goes sometimes. Here's uh, what we'll be uh, running through tonight. Uh, as promised, we have a brand new Trump interview uh, that will be uh, with John Solomon of Just the News. It'll be President Trump speaking with John Solomon on John Solomon Reports, his podcast. So that should be uh, pretty fun. I like John Solomon. I love the work that he does. And uh, he always brings some pretty good interviews as well. Um, I do do absolutely admire the man's work. And uh, let's see here. Uh, we also got, uh, oh, yes, of course, the House sham hearing on the Arizona audit. Again, just a few highlights. Uh, a lot of you guys were there with us this morning. And then lastly, we'll be cracking into some COVID news tonight. Uh, we got a little COVID care package for you guys, along with uh, the fifth installment of the Project Veritas uh, COVID-19 COVID Vax Exposed series. Uh, we'll also be uh, dipping into um, some developments that are going on with, uh, you know, uh, now resigning directors of the uh, NIH National Institutes of Health. Uh, but most importantly, we will be following the money, ladies and gentlemen, tonight as we do a retrospect on the United States funding of gain-of-function research and uh, development through, um, through uh, the NIH, the NIAI, and the EcoHealth Alliance, uh, all tied back into one man. Of course, his name is Dr. Fauci. So uh, that uh, will pretty much take us there, ladies and gentlemen. It will be a nice little bundle of joy for you guys tonight. And I thank you all for joining us this evening here at the Sea Report. So uh, before we jump into today's report, as usual, as per the huge, uh, let us see what we got going on in chat and um, uh, open up some of my other devices over here so I can get a better picture of what I'm dealing with tonight. Let's see here. Not so bad, not so bad. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What is going on here? It appears, hold on, it appears I am not, what is going on here? Oh, lordy, lordy. Give me uno momento, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we will be uh, getting this going. I don't know what the heck is going on here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for those of you who are coming to us live... <laughs> We have been live on, um, let's see here. There we go. There we go. That's better. That's better. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what the what heck is going on here, ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. Uh, for those of you who are coming to us live, sorry about it, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Let me see if we can. I, want to, I hope this will, will keep on going. Oh my goodness. Talk about a technical foul. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's okay. We're going to keep on pushing on. Okay. Now we should be live on Clout Hub and on, um, what do you call it? The Foxhole. Yes, we are. Okay. Excellent. 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 I do apologize. Um, I uh, thought I connected to uh, Foxhole and to Clout Hub. Apparently I was only live on Twitch 
Uh, but no, here we are. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Well, um, if you are joining us over at the foxhole.app, at uh, pill.net, or at um, Clout Hub. Now, I don't know if uh, Clout Hub... <laughs> I don't know if CloudHub has live seek features on their uh, live streams, but uh, if you are joining us over there at pill.net and at the foxhole.app, um, well, now is your chance to use it uh, because we just did a solid 10-minute open here at the Sea Report and we weren't connected to so the foxhole. Actually, this was a publicity stunt in order to get you guys to use the live seek uh, feature over at pill.net and the foxhole.app. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. I do apologize. So just uh, just uh, hit that uh, button there on the screen and rewind it. Oh, man, this was just a solid open tonight. Jeez, a solid open. And I was only live on one of my platforms. Well, guys, I do apologize about it. It was only 10 minutes, but uh, man, was it solid. Okay, well, uh, all right. Brief recap. I apologize, uh, Twitch fan, uh, Twitch friends, and also those on the podcast. Uh, just a real quick rundown. We've got you the uh, Trump interview with John Solomon on John Solomon Reports, John Solomon of Just the News. We will be doing a little bit of uh, exploring of today's um a House committee hearing on the Arizona audit. Indeed, it was a sham hearing. And uh, then we will be taking a retrospect of the gain of function research and development as funded by the United States of America. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And uh, we will also throw in, uh, we will also throw in uh, the um, uh, Project Veritas fifth uh, installment of the uh, COVID vax exposed series all right i was just about to jump into it i was like you know uh it's pretty quiet over in the foxhole of course always in texas i see you there i saw pilled by the rabbit and sherry pittsburgh friends 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 galore let everyone know he's on and there's <laughs> i was wondering why uh, always was saying i think mr c might be a little late oh boy i'm never this late to the meeting um, well, if you guys will excuse me, I will be at the woodshed. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve it today. Oh my goodness. Uh, Disco Ball Chaser, thanks for the laughs. I appreciate it. No, I'm serious. That was wow. And then uh, always is still back in there. Yes, we have a live seek feature here at uh, the foxhole.app and pill.net. So you can rewind it. Oh, no, wait, you can't rewind it because we weren't broadcasting. My bad. <laughs> Oh, that's nothing to laugh about. If you want, I'll play the uh, intro again. Maybe no, just kidding. We're gonna we're gonna press forward, um, and let's see here. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite phrases. You know, it sits three feet above your tuchus. I'm gonna need some green tea. I tell you, I woke up early today and I was falling asleep while I was making my report. But uh, let's let us uh, move forward. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Always. You can't do a live seek on this show because we were not on the air for the first 10 minutes. I apologize, guys. Man, it was a solid open too. probably one of my clearest. OK, so. Um, all right. Let's jump into this, ladies and gentlemen, before we get too long. 
And uh, again, thank you all for tuning into the show. Apologies for being late, but uh, life goes on. Life finds a way, as some uh, socialist scientists like to say. Uh, first things first, we'll be jumping in, of course, to statements from President Trump. Uh, man, you know, uh, his statement today, he didn't say anything much about this sham hearing they did over in uh, Washington, D.C., about the Arizona audit, but uh, you know that might, there might be something to it. Now, of course, I say that, and uh, we'll end up seeing um, a statement from President Trump tomorrow about the sham hearing, or maybe even later tonight. But um, uh, that was the point of it, ladies and gentlemen. The point of it was to create a media buzz and to uh, give the media more juice to add to their stinking pile of lies. So perhaps he's not going to play into it. Uh, perhaps he is just uh, going to ignore it as uh, everything that was disclosed there was uh, pretty much, um, yeah, pretty much just uh, a, an addition to the current fraud that we have here with this situation. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he did have some statements today. And uh, let's start with this one. All right. It says, ladies and gentlemen... Fiona Hill was terrible at her job. The first time I remember hearing her name was during impeachment hoax number one, where she worked hard to say anything bad, but there wasn't much. It was a total con job. She may have been in the Oval and conference rooms with me, but this was not anybody who I recognized. Then she acted like she was a know-it-all, but in reality, she had no influence whatsoever. She was very close to one of the dumbest and most crazed people in Washington, John Bolton. No relation to Michael. Both of them didn't say much, and what they did say wasn't listened to, especially after Bolton's statement that he wants the Libya model on North Korea. Oh, 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 John Bolton wants the whole, uh, we came, we saw, he died. Yeah, Bolton, we see who your uh, role models are. Um, and uh, he says uh, he wanted the entire Libya model on North Korea in the midst of my negotiation with Kim Jong-un. He made that statement on deface the nation or meet the fake press. Love it. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. Fortunately, Kim Jong-un understood how stupid he was and wouldn't allow him at meetings or dinners. I liked that. Fiona Hill was a deep stiff with a nice, oh, whoops, a deep state stiff with a nice accent. Books are being written by people like her who had virtually no access to me and who I didn't even know. They write it as if they're experts on Trump, but they know absolutely nothing about me. My function was to save our country and um, survive. Unfortunately, when you look at what is happening now with Afghanistan, the border, inflation, etc., our country is not being saved. It is in big trouble. All right. Fiona Hill. Hmm. Writing up that new book, right? Uh, trying to make a name for herself, uh, like most of these people do. Um, well, I mean, uh, it kind of makes me wonder. I'm like, did she even write the book or, you know, did someone make it up for her? I mean, we know she had a ghostwriter. 
Uh, most people these days have ghostwriters. Even even writers have ghostwriters, which, I mean, aside from seeming to be, I don't know, somewhat um, fake, uh, is actually a rather smart idea. I mean, say they're an idea person, but they're not a writer. I don't know. But yeah, you know, uh, I wonder if this was even her story to tell. If she had limited access, maybe it's like there was somebody else that she uh, had all of this information. And then they're like, well, we can't just say it was me, obviously, but uh, perhaps uh, we can say it was you, Fiona Hill. Hey, Tombstone, what's going on? Sherry Pittsburgh, five by five. Good evening. Sorry, I was late. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't late. I just wasn't connected. Uh, thank you for popping in. Pilled by the Rabbit was here too also. I saw that and it seems that uh, he has scurried on to other rabbit holes, but uh, <laughs> that's all quite fine. Um, okay. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here as our next statement from the Prez. Oh, it's not a statement. It's a man. <laughs> Okay, let's see what we got here with uh, this man. This is actually going to be an endorsement, as you might have guessed. And uh, let me, uh, let me, uh, let me, let me, let me pull up my notes here. There we go. Okay, who is this man, and why is he on the screen? This is Rick Crawford. Uh, Rick Crawford is uh, being endorsed by President Trump at this time. It says uh, Rick Crawford has done a fantastic job as congressman in Arkansas's first district. He represents the state and our nation at the highest level. Rick is strong on agriculture, immigration, China, and he um, fights hard to lower your taxes, health care costs, and to protect our Second Amendment. Rick Crawford, who is highly respected in Washington, D.C., will never let you down. He has my complete and total endorsement. And there you go, running for Arkansas's first district as a state representative. All right, way to go, Rick, and congratulations. Next man on the screen, uh, a man by the name of Steve Bovo, um, otherwise known as Esteban Steve Bovo. Uh, President Trump endorsed him as well today and says, I'm pleased to endorse Esteban Steve Bovo for mayor of Hylia. Steve has always fought for conservative principles. He understands the importance of fiscal discipline and the need to, uh, the need to eliminate burdensome regulations that choke the economy. Hylia is a, um, I think I'm saying that right, Hylia is a, is a shiny example of America's entrepreneurial spirit. Bobo gets that small businesses, not government, are the job creators. He will fight to get government out of the way. Steve Bovo has tackled the status quo by leading the charge to reform pensions in Miami-Dade County and successfully passed term limits on the county commission. That's why I know he will hold the line on raising taxes and demand accountability from Hialeah City Hall. I also have no doubt that Steve will stand up to the far-left agenda that looks to change America. Steve, like so many families in Hylia, knows how socialism destroys a country from within with policies that give government way too much power over our lives. When it comes to uh, supporting our brave first responders, Bovo has been front and center. That's why the Police Benevolent Association 
the Fraternal Order of Police and Hylia Firefighters are also backing him. Very good, Mr. Bovo. Congratulations on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was not a, uh, there was not a how you say. He has my full and total endorsement statement in there, but I, I'm sure this is still probably a legitimate, <laughs> a legitimate um, um, endorsement. Much, much so, much, much so. All right. Uh, what do you call it here? Uh, Tombstone says, nice to have a flex schedule. Well, you know, Tombstone, we are here every day from 7.30 to uh, 9.30 or 10.30 um, Texas time. Uh, every night with the C report, but uh, yeah, absolutely today, that was nice. And where did that screen go? What is... <laughs> May the tech... Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. My bad, my bad. May the technical blessings begin, right? Okay, let me get this guy. There we go. I don't know what that was all about, but uh, well, there you have it. You saw the back of stage. Okay. <laughs> hey, Pill by the Rabbit. Saw you were in here earlier. Welcome back. We finally made it. <laughs> we finally got connected. Yeah, flexible schedules can be great. Flexible schedules can be great. Maybe I'll start a morning show too. Aha! Okay, all right. Let's uh, let's get going. Let's get going. Uh, what do we got next from President Trump? Okay, and on the big screen it says... Republican senators do not vote for this terrible deal being pushed by folding Mitch McConnell. Stand strong for our country. The American people are with you. Of course, you know, we have uh, Mitch folding in for every single reason that it seems. What? How many times has he conceded to the Democrats since January? And we should also add, you know, his conceding to the actual election fraud as well. Uh, probably like, what, six or seven times? Is that too high or is that too low? I don't know. Mitch McConnell. Not even guy. All right. That concludes President Trump's statements for October 7th, 2021. You know, as I was reading those statements, I thought it would be uh, it would be super funny um, if they got that guy, you know, that guy that does the uh, Trump uh, impersonation so well and he'll drive up to like, I don't know, a Chick-fil-A and he'll order it in President Trump's voice or uh, he'll leave like a uh, he'll leave like a, um, um, a phone message or something. It would be super funny and cool. Well, maybe not funny, but it's cool if they could get him to read President Trump's daily statements. That would be cool. <laughs> But uh, he wouldn't be able to add anything like, you know, he'll be the biggest, I'm talking big, the biggest, bigger than anyone's ever seen before, success in Hialeah, Florida. <laughs> Can't be doing that now. Uh, you can interject opinions and thoughts like I do, but no, just kidding. Okay, so what do we got uh, going on with President Trump? Before we dip into the um, interview with President Trump and John Solomon of John Solomon Reports, uh, just a quick rundown on some uh, news, Trump news, uh, that we got. Not too much. Um, we have, of course, this entire uh, January 6th false flag kangaroo court, uh, you know, that uh, they have going on with, you know, um, good old Skeletor and, uh, and you know, all of the, uh, what, two of the ten uh, 
brothers of, of disbanded, of uh, treasonous uh, and rhino impeachers, those guys and everyone else. It's the same cast of characters. Uh, it seems, though, that now they have uh, started to issue subpoenas. And uh, as I'm sure that you guys probably are aware, with the issuing of subpoenas, of course, like uh, the left and the Democrats and all the people who stand against us are just, you know, having a uh, having a wonderful time of, uh, you know, speculation and, uh, you know, seeing what's up uh, there. They've called on uh, Steve Bannon's been subpoenaed. Uh, Mark Meadows, Dan Scavino, hmm, they're going after people who were uh, close to him at the end of his uh, um, first term. And, uh, you know, that's why they're, uh, they're asking about Steve Bannon. You remember yesterday when we were watching that, um, that uh, uh, passive aggressive um, and uh, passive, no, he was a passively aggressive um, um, smug you know, uh, individual over there at the Yahoo Finance uh, interview. Um, he was asking Steve Bannon, you remember at the end of that, oh, uh, were you close to Steve Bannon? Did Steve Bannon uh, ask you this? Uh, did Steve Bannon tell you that? Uh, did Steve Bannon whatever? Oh, yeah, it's because he's been uh, subpoenaed and uh, he's going to have to uh, stand in, depo uh, in deposition, in for deposition next week. I think uh, all of them are. Steve Bannon, Mark Meadows, uh, Dan Scavino, Cash Patel, uh, Katrina Pearson. Um, I think there was a total of about 15 people, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't get the names of all of them, but I know their top four um, right out the bat. And I think they said in an article, 11 more. So let's see what happens. I mean, uh, uh, it makes you wonder if they're going to show, uh, you know, any of the footage that would, uh, you know, suggest that this was not exactly what they're calling it. Probably not. And then, uh, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see who knows what any of these, uh, folks can bring to the table by way of defense. Um, there's no telling what kind of truth, um, maybe they won't even include them in the, uh, they won't even include them in the hearing at all. Uh, if they don't like what they have to say, but that's usually the game that they play, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good evening, Sean Joe. Welcome into the Sea Report. Good to see you this evening. Hope you're having a good one. Another story we have has to deal with um, a lawsuit, two lawsuits actually, that were hurled at Trump uh, while he was, uh, optically speaking, our president in the White House in the Oval Office, our commander-in-chief, not that he isn't anymore, but um, the two lawsuits that dealt with uh, he being sued for violating the uh, emoluments clause. Um, and so uh, basically what's happening with this, and now um, if I'm not mistaken, the emoluments clause has to do with a standing president receiving like uh, financial favors, benefits, uh, whether that's from a foreign government or from the state. So uh, somehow this figures into it. Um, we had the um, attorneys general of both the state of Maryland and also of Washington, D.C., of the uh, of the foreign invader country, Washington, D.C., uh, suing uh, President Trump because of his um, hotels in New York and in um, uh, DC. And so I guess they figured that by him having this hotel, it was uh, it was hurting and uh, putting other local businesses and hotels at a disadvantage because he was the president and uh, people who were trying to seek favors from him as the president. Uh, 
would go to his hotels as a form of a bribe, thereby, uh, you know, violating the emoluments uh, clause and then also uh, hurting other businesses. It's just not fair. So uh, the lower courts were pretty much uh, all into this, right? And it seems that they really didn't understand the way the emoluments clause works. So this went all the ways up to the Supreme Court, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, President Trump fought this um, lawfare pretty hard while he was still president. Well, the Supreme Court decided to toss out the cases. <laughs> So another victory for President Trump. The uh, Supreme Court decided to toss out the cl uh, cases claiming that Trump uh, did not violate the emoluments clause. Um, and uh, they also uh, said that, well, the reason why they did this, in fact, is because I guess another clause in the emoluments clause is it has to be of a standing president, not of a former president. I guess it's, you know, like uh something that could be seen as rather unethical. So I don't know if this was like a waiting game, because sometimes that's what you pay lawyers for, right? Uh, they, they know how to push things back um, or what it was, but it was actually the Department of Justice that told SCOTUS that they needed to dismiss the cases. And so when SCOTUS um, decided to go ahead and dismiss the cases, they went ahead and wiped out all of the lower court's rulings on this entire situation. So now there's no uh, history or no precedence for any of this type of shenanigans, which is good. Um, but uh, I guess if you are a future president, uh, there will be no standing. And that's also good. Um, but I guess uh, since, uh, you know, SCOTUS didn't give a ruling or an opinion or anything like that, they just they were done with it. That's all there was to it, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, there you go. See, again, we're winning. <laughs> I'll take it. OK, guys. Awesomeness and amazing. That is a little bit of Trump news for you guys. Oh, wait, no, wait, wait. I got one more. This one is fun. Uh, let's see. You might recognize some of these people. In fact, to me, they look like brother and sister, or at least they have the same nose doctor, right? Okay, so <laughs> who we have on the screen here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this would be uh, one Stephanie Grisham, fish face. I don't know. They look, I don't know. I wonder what her natural face looked like. Anyways, so we got uh, Stephanie Grisham here. Now, this is the former Trump staffer. Um and uh, oh wait 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 was she yeah Grisham was right wasn't she I think I got that right and uh, no 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 that's not who she was she uh, was the one that was working with uh in the East Wing my bad she's the one that's got that book that just came out that's uh trying to uh you know talk a lot of trash here right okay so uh, the former staffer is the uh, gentleman to her left uh, which would be my right your left. Anyways, okay, I'm going to confuse myself. But, um, okay, so as it turns out, um, 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 the former staffer, you guys might recognize him as one Max Miller, Maximus Miller. He is uh, currently a congressional candidate for Ohio. Um, so, uh, and he's been endorsed by President Trump. So this one's going to be an interesting story for sure for the, um, for the, uh, um, uh, you know, the MSM to play with. I'm sure they're going to bounce this one a lot, guys. They're going to bounce it around a lot. Uh, now, according to, um, um, uh, some sources, <laughs> it says here that, uh, Max Miller is suing, there we go. 
former White House press secretary, Stephanie Grisham. And again, she actually never stood and did a press conference. She never ran any kind of press meetings. Uh, she had the title, but was never able to act on it. Some say she did a very bad job, and now she's bad-mouthing Melania and President Trump like there is no tomorrow. Uh, but uh, Max Miller is suing Stephanie Grisham for defamation after she has accused him of abuse during their time dating while they were in the Trump administration. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you never date where you work. Now, Grisham recently told CNN that uh, there was abuse in every way in her relationship with uh, Mr. Max Miller. Indeed, if you look at those eyes, that uh, turgid resonance of fear tells me that somewhere in there a knife was involved. Just kidding, folks. I have no idea. I was just quoting a line from one of my oldest movies. Now, um, okay, so uh, according to Cleveland.com, Cleveland, hi, um, they uh, reported that in a complaint filed by Miller's lawyer, um, Larry Zuckerman, Grisham made libelous and defamatory statements and that uh, the allegations were absolutely untrue. Miller is also seeking an injunction to block Grisham from repeating these claims, including interviews on CNN. And apparently this woman's out on CNN probably a lot. I don't doubt it. It, however, that injunction was declined. Now, back in July, in a profile of Miller, uh, Politico reported that Grisham and Miller's relationship ended when he pushed her against a wall and slapped her face in his Washington apartment after she accused him of cheating. According to Politico, sources verified the allegations, one source saying it happened and it was violent. Now, to be sure, ladies and gentlemen, no type of abuse is ever funny or should ever be uh, downplayed. But uh, if I am laughing or making funnies, don't mind me. Okay, so court records show that Miller has a criminal record. So this is where this is where the media is going to play ball with this. And I am not condoning uh, anything that might have happened here. But for a fact, I don't know how much of this could be true or not. You know, uh, criminal records, they uh, can sometimes be fabricated and uh, stuff like that. But uh, that's not the point here. I am not his jury. I am just sharing the story. Now, it says uh, he has a criminal record, according to uh, court records, including charges of assault disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. I mean, um, assault, disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. They could pin that on anyone who's like, say, uh, a protester, right? <laughs> or someone at a rally, um, you know, or I don't know, uh, an Antifer, but they probably wouldn't get the charges and it probably would not go on their records if they were an Antifer, right? Okay. So yeah, it doesn't mean that he was beating everyone that he ever dated, right? <laughs> Anyways, okay. Or that he was streaking or something. Anyways, okay. So uh, let's see here. Um, it says, uh, it says uh, uh, Miller claims that the accusations are only to harm him and for Grisham to sell more copies of her book. And I will not tell you the name of that book. If you're interested, you can go find out for yourself, America. Now, at a rally in Wellington, Ohio, what was what? The uh, first major kickoff, right? Uh, President Trump did describe Max Miller as a great guy 
And he told rally goers, you have the opportunity to elect an incredible patriot to Congress who I know very well. It was, uh, I, it seems like the relationship between Max Miller and Stephanie Grisham was a, uh, was a kind of foreshadowing, if you will, for the way that Max Miller is going to slap around all them swamp creatures, wouldn't you say? <laughs> okay, that was bad, but I like it. Um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, of course, um, for Grisham, this was a gut punch to find out that uh, Max Miller was being endorsed by Trump, that in fact he was uh, running for Congress. Um, you know, one of those uh, one of those former lovers, one of those exes that uh, just wants to see your life in squalor, <laughs> does not want to see any kind of success happen for you in your existence. Wow. Oh, people like that. I don't know what's up with that. Anyways, uh, let's see here. Grisham left Miller unnamed in an op-ed. Um, so apparently she wrote an opinion piece about him in a paper and chose not to name him. And she says that uh, she didn't name him. Um, I'm sure it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, fear of uh, libel or defamation. Uh, but uh, she said she didn't name him because uh, she's moved on with her life. And yet somehow here she is coming across my screen and having her story told by everyone in the mainstream media. And now myself included. Uh, yeah, just a few Trump orbital stories for you guys to mull over as we get into the interview between John Solomon and President Trump. Now, this uh, interview is brand new as of yesterday. Don't know if any of you all have had the opportunity to take a uh, listen to it, but uh, if not, you will hear it now. And uh, John Solomon of John Solomon reports of just the news. Quite admire the man's work and uh, looking forward to this. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, before we dig in, though, uh, W.C. Cranop, good evening, sir. How are you doing tonight? And thank you for gifting the phone. You could have just given me a call, sir. i uh, just kidding. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Oh, from Sergeant Sparky and Mrs. Sparky sharing a meal jelly much. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Sergeant Sparky and uh, Mrs. Sergeant Sparky. Um, uh, good to see you all. Good to have you here with us. Um, uh, Sergeant Sparky says, sitting here with the one and only... Y'all are sharing a meal together! I thought you meant, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Sergeant Sparky were having a meal together. And I was kind of like, you know, um, um, that is what uh, married couples do. <laughs> oh, but it seems that uh, WC is in downtown Junction City, Oregon. Yes, I am quite jelly there, WC Cranop. Why don't you throw a little bit of extra jelly on that sandwich you're eating? No, just kidding. I don't know what you're eating. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, take take the jelly. Take the jelly. <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying y'all's meal together, breaking bread with, uh, you know, a fellow um, fellow patriots and uh, family members of the foxhole and uh, pilled community. That's amazing. I can't wait to have more experiences like that myself. You guys enjoy much and uh, don't mind me. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, they're not going to roll that beautiful bean. Yeah, you're right. Always. They're not. Uh, when it comes to uh, what really happened on January 6th, I'm pretty sure that will forever be the case. That's why they didn't let uh, particular members of the uh, House and Senate join into that committee. Uh-huh. That's the way it's done. That's the way it is done. 
Uh -huh. Oh, that's so cool. All right. And then uh, let's see here. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, for, hello, back at you. Love Warns. Good evening. Uh, I love your sense of humor, Mr. C. Well, thank you. Um, hopefully that uh, Stephanie Grisham comment and uh, Max, uh, <laughs> Max Miller comment wasn't too far out of line. But uh, I noticed that all of my views went down to zero at Twitch whenever I said that. So maybe they want to go report me. <laughs> go on and report me. Okay, uh, let's see here. Zena, good evening. How are you doing tonight? Good to see you again, Zena. And uh, who else is hanging out in here? All right. Back in Texas is Love Warns. Okay, looks good. Looks good, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this. Um, let's jump into this uh, interview right here. And I'm just going to fix for good sound quality. And uh, we will be underway. Okay. Oh, there they are. All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We got uh, President Trump and John Solomon interviewing here at the Sea Report. Enjoy. Mr. President, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. It is an honor to have you on. And I want to start with something because just before your administration left office, you tried to do something to combat this critical race theory that was going through the schools. You delivered with the 1776 curriculum, and that touched off a movement in America, parents confronting school boards about what their kids were learning. Last night, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, announced that he's asked the FBI to investigate parents who are questioning their school boards. What's your reaction to that decision? And what does it mean about free speech in America more largely? Well, it's very tough because the parents are very uh, wounded by what's taken place by, in many cases, radical left school boards. And you would certainly think they have a, a voice and they have a voice as to how their children are going to be educated, brought up and educated. And that's a very tough stance. There's no question about it. I heard that late last night and I was somewhat surprised by it. But Nothing surprises me too much anymore. I ended that whole situation, as you know. I ended it and ended it strongly. You did. And as soon as the uh, radical left got in, they reinstituted it. And the parents, I guess what I did, maybe almost more importantly than ending it, is I alerted the country as to what's going on with their schools and with the school board and with the military, by the way, where you have the same thing happening in the military. We fired all of those people that were doing it. But now they've been hired again and they get a lot of money. They get a lot of money, more money than most people make in government, more money than the president of the United States got paid, which I got nothing, of course, because I didn't take. Right. I didn't take the money. Nope. Nobody talks about that. But more money than the president of the United States, these people are making. And uh, they're all over the place. It's a very dangerous situation for the country, in my opinion. Yeah, I know it is. And you can see it. You did start a movement. Parents got alerted by that 1776 curriculum. And that's really where it got started. I think There's so. no doubt. China's been buzzing Taiwan last few days with warplanes. Lots of them. Nerves are on edge in the Pacific. Joe Biden started to talk like Donald Trump on China all of a sudden. But I want to ask you this. How would you, if you're president again, how would you deal with this threat of China right now? It's, it's an intimidation campaign against our longtime ally, Taiwan. Well, I think I dealt with them very well. I took in billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars from China. Right. Nobody else took in 10 cents ever. Not one president ever did anything. In fact, I hear that uh, Biden may leave my big taxes and I taxed China and tariff China, and nobody ever thought that was possible. We took in 
just billions. I gave $28 billion of that money to the farmers over a two-year period. They got 12 and they got 16 billion. And the farmers, it saved the farmers because they boycotted the farms. You remember that? I do. I ended up, the farmers did very well. And now the farmers are really doing well. I'll be in Iowa next week doing a big rally, which will be fantastic. I think Saturday night. So it's going to be something very special. But the farmers are great, but they were taken advantage of by China. And I was tough on China. I also got along great with President Xi until the China virus came in. Once the China virus uh, reared its ugly head, I was uh, a different kind of a guy. But I had a great relationship with him, as I did with most of the leaders, even though I treated them tougher because they were every single country. I'll, I'll tell you this, John. Every single country, without exception, was taking advantage of the United States, from the big ones to the little ones. Deals that were so stupid from our standpoint, not even sustainable. But if you look at what was happening with the European Union, I mean, they were almost as bad as China. And by the way, we lost with them $150 billion a year. $150 $150 billion a year. Now, China was $502 billion a year. Yeah. But the European Union, they didn't sell our cars. They basically don't buy our farm product. They bought very little from us. We had a deficit of $150, 100 and Actually, between, it varied between $150 and $190 billion. You know, sounds innocent, the European Union. Yep. But they were very good at clipping the United States also. And if you look at South Korea, I made a new trade deal with them. It was horrible before. That was done by Hillary Clinton. Right. And if you look at Japan, I made a different trade deal with them. But, you know, Japan, as an example, they sold cars into the United States, but we couldn't sell any into them. I said, that doesn't sound too fair to me. And uh, we did a lot of things. And then we got hit with COVID and uh, we had to go back into a different mode, obviously. But I was tough on other countries. And yet I got along with the leaders. Yeah, you did. If they try to invade or attack Taiwan, U.S. has to stand with Taiwan, doesn't it? Well, I never comment on that, but I will tell you that I can guarantee you that if I were president, they would not have done it. They wouldn't be sending planes over right now. For four years, you never heard anything. You didn't? Taiwan wasn't even mentioned. No. Okay, for four years. It was only after I left with a rigged election, by the way, that's destroying our country, soon to be destroyed, as far as I can see. But uh, when I left, this all started. I spoke to President Xi about that on numerous occasions. He understood. He understood where he came from. He would not. I will tell you. Look, I will tell you, one hundred percent certain, they would not have done anything with Taiwan while I was president. That doesn't mean after I was president, because that's a new group of people, as you have right now. But if I were there for another four years, they would not have been even thinking about Taiwan. They understood that. Yeah, they did. They had clarity from you. There's no doubt about it. Just as the Taliban had clarity. They did. Don't kill any soldiers. For 18 months, they killed no soldiers. Uh, We had them so boxed in. It was going to be perfect. We were going to get all our citizens out and some others that deserved it, not the people that came out. We have people that we have no idea who they are that just poured into the airplanes. Yeah. But we were going to take our military equipment out. We would have had no soldiers killed. And we would have had the military come out last, not first. Who would bring the military out first? Yeah. There was nobody there to protect anybody. It was crazy. It is. And we would have kept Bagram because of China. Yep. 
Absolutely. It was our strategic stronghold. It's a, even a first year cadet right. would have known that. <laughs> Anybody would have, a yep. child would have known that. That's right. Child. No. It's incredible, actually, what's it's happened. Amazing job. I want to get to elections in just one second. But before I do, we had a story this morning. Benny Thompson, chairman of the January 6th Commission, back 50 years ago, he was against cops and embracing an insurrectionist group, a black revolutionary group that had killed cops and also threatened to take land from the southern state by force. Do you think he's fit to be the chairman of the January 6th Commission? Well, I'm just hearing this now, and I read what you have unearthed. That's a big statement because he's, you know, very radical left and yeah. talking about the insurrection. The insurrection took place on November 3rd. That was the insurrection when they rigged the election. The big insurrection, the real insurrection, the really the crime of the century. That took place on November 3rd and not on January 6th. And no, if if he has a record like that, I think it's something that should be actually brought up and studied by the unselect committee. Yeah. And as far as compliance, they're dropping subpoena on all of your former advisors. Do you plan to invoke executive privilege plan to fight some of these requests? Well, I'm mixed because we did nothing wrong. So yeah. I'm sort of saying, why are we hiring lawyers to do this? I'd like to just have everybody go in and say what you have to say. We did nothing wrong. They did something wrong. The investigation should be on the election of November 3rd on the presidential election of 2020. That's what the committee should be set up for. And that should be a select committee, not an unselect committee, where we don't have even representatives on there because they didn't want our representatives. And uh, that should be a, uh, a select committee and they should investigate the election fraud because many states had fraud, many, many states. And I won't go over it now with you, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I, I do want to mention some of those because the tide is really changing, much like Russia collusion, right? It was Russia collusion. Then there was no Russia collusion on election. 200,000 ballots are now questioned by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. 50,000 right. flagged in the Arizona audit. 40,000 in DeKalb County. That was something we did last week. Now under investigation, 29 pages of problems in Fulton County. And now the Secretary of State wants to take over Fulton County before he said it was a perfect election. How much are you surprised by the change? And then also, what are the next steps for you? What can you do to keep pressing this case? Well, we are pressing it and we're going to continue to press it. And a lot of very good people say, sir, we should think to the future, think to the future. I said, well, you're not going to have a future if you don't solve the past. And we don't want the same thing to happen in 22 and 24. But, you know, they say think to the future. Some some bad ones say that, but some very good people, people that you like, I like, right. they really feel that way. Think to the future. But what are we going to think? We won that election by a lot. You know, those numbers that you talked about in those various states, those are all, they call it determinative. Right. They are determinative numbers. In other words, they would have changed the outcome of all of those states. And I only needed, I guess, two big ones or three small ones. And uh, But all of those states would have changed. Uh, the vote totals would have changed. Uh, think about this. Uh, we have more votes in cases. We have more votes than you have voters. That should have been looked at before the numbers were sent up to the Senate to be approved. Or Mitch McConnell should have said, well, why is it that all these things took place? And that was then. Since then, as you know, better than anybody, we've learned a lot more. And the Arizona audit, which yeah. the press just was fraudulent the way they covered it. They sure were. The Arizona, under findings, they had so many findings of bad things. No, it's a very sad thing. It's the, I call it the crime of the century. And, you know, somebody said, well, is it the crime when there's no death? I said, of course there's death. Look at the southern border. There's death all over. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. All these things wouldn't have happened. We had the strongest border in history. 
Now we have the worst border in history. We might have the worst border of any country ever. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Yeah, it's a serious situation right now. I'm so different from the way you left the country just eight, nine months uh, ago. It, it's like a different country. It is. It's a different. Look at, look at inflation. Look at gasoline, $1.86 a gallon. It's going to be over five dollars, five fifty. It's going to go to seven or eight dollars. Wow, that's bigger than three tax increases. Yep. You know, every time it goes up fifty or sixty cents, they say that's like a big tax increase for middle-income people. Yeah, that's so it's, true. Uh, the very people uh, Joe Biden said he was trying to help, he's actually penalizing. Yeah, you no, know, he's really helping a lot of people. Yeah, it's just nobody could believe it could be this bad. And I said it was going to be bad, but nobody could believe it was going to be this bad. Nobody could believe that we'd go into Afghanistan, take the soldiers out and leave $85 billion worth of equipment, the best equipment, brand new helicopters that are, I won't even tell you how expensive they are. They are the best in the world. And now China has a couple and Russia has a couple and they're going to re-engineer them, de-engineer. They're going to find out what makes them tick because they're the best and they'll copy them out, you know. It's just incredible to leave $85 billion worth of equipment. They say that Russia spends $50 billion a year in its military. We left $85 billion worth of equipment. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. It really is. One last question on elections. Mass mail ballots. It seems like we treated ballots like it was junk mail in this last election. Yeah. Do you think Americans understand the consequence of that? What would you like to see happen in the next yeah. elections? Well, it was junk mail. It was junk mail. And much of it wasn't delivered to Republican areas. I mean, look, you know, there's so many different reports. If somebody wants to question, I'll say, give me just 24 hours. I'll get you some of the many, <laughs> many reports of, right? of the fraud and all the things that took place. And even, uh, I guess, Jimmy Carter and somebody did uh, reports a uh, long they did. time James ago. James Baker, right? James Baker. And they did a report and it said that mail-in ballots are a disaster for the country. They'll be cheating. You know, many people that you know got two ballots, three ballots, four ballots. Yes. The most I heard was seven, but they got a lot of ballots. The post office, the delivery, sometimes they get delivered, sometimes they don't. It is the greatest, I'm telling you, it is the greatest fraud ever committed in this country, probably, but it is the crime of the century. Do you feel good at least now that legislatures are stepping up into their role? Wisconsin's got an ongoing investigation. Do you feel like yes. some of that is vindication of what you were talking about? Well, it is, except, you know, our country has to come back a long way. We had this country spinning like a top. We had 160 million people working in this country prior to COVID. And then I got it going a second time. I really did it twice. And we handed it over to this group. And what they've done is incredible. Incredible. It's interesting, though, too, you know, you talk about the mandates. But when I was president, nobody talked about not getting the vaccine. It was very interesting. After I left, they talked about not getting it. And that's when they started talking about mandates. We didn't talk about mandates. Everybody was rushing to get it. And we were doing a lot. We were doing over a million a day. And, you know, we didn't have a ramp up time either. The military there did a great job. You know, we have great generals, but not the television guys, not the millies of the world. But we have great generals. We've defeated ISIS, the ISIS caliphate, 100 percent, by the way, and took out the two primary leaders. And you know who they were yep. that nobody else was able to do. We did tremendous things. We have great generals, but the guys that you watch on television are not them. Yeah, it's a pretty shocking. Uh, I think people got a good dose of that during the hearings. Last yeah, question, because no, John Durham, John Durham finally delivered his second indictment. And it really laid out just how the Clinton campaign Put that Russia collusion thing into that channel many times. Any way they could get it into the FBI. You've called this out for what it was from the moment it started. Yep. 
Do you feel like you have accountability yet? And if not, could you do something yourself to try to force accountability on the Russia case? Well, I guess you could do civil unless, uh, you know, one of these New York people are going to do something, but they're radical left Democrats. You know, they investigate Republicans and me after years and years. It's gone on for years and years. And uh, they investigate me and they investigate others. But when things like this come about, this is really big stuff, what Durham has come up with. And let's hope the rest of it comes out. But even, and I think it will, I think a lot more. I think they're going a lot further. It's taken too long. You know, just this one element, it shows one thing, that it was a con job. It was set up as a total con job, that Russia was just conceived by these people and thrown out there. It was a con of the American people. And it's absolutely criminal. It should never, ever be allowed to happen again. But I'm very interested to see what happens with the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth Durham reports, which I hope they're going to exist. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's more coming down the pike. You've seen a lot of activity. I hope so. Well, sir, I want to thank you so much for spending so much time with us. I know how busy you are, but our audience just loves what you stand for. And I can't thank you enough for the time today. Well, I love what you stand for. You're a pro and you should have gotten the Pulitzer Prize because you frankly got it right. They got it wrong. They all got Pulitzer Prizes and they were all wrong on the Russia hoax. Uh, You got it right. And you, you sent a letter asking the Pulitzer Committee to reject it now. That's, uh, that. I, actually, I actually said they should take the Pulitzer Prizes back because based on the Durham report and before that, Mueller right. too, but based on all of this stuff, all of the reporting for three years was wrong. They should not be entitled to have a Pulitzer Prize. And let's see what Pulitzer does, the committee, because, you know, look, they probably won't do it because they're radical left. But it's a disgrace that they got a well, Pulitzer Prize. You put Prize them in the spot now. They report. have to respond. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond. It sure will. Thank you very much for what you do, John. Thank you, sir. Honor having you on the show today. My honor. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Well, with the exception of maybe one of those topics, I think that was a pretty good interview. And I would agree with President Trump that um, he should be awarded the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, Now, that would be some turn of uh, victory there to uh, maybe try and restore what's their, um, what they used to be, I guess, in the minds of many. But I mean, I'm pretty sure, just like a lot of those award-giving uh, um, foundations or uh, societies or schools, it's uh, probably it's all probably all been an inside job to begin with, right? To just give credibility and acclaim to their own people anyone who sits on the same side of the line as the eugenicists and the uh, debt slavers and uh, the globalists and the technocrats, all the same, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Sean, Joe, thank you for gifting the cookie. Red Panda Love Warns. (laughs) That is so awesome. Okay, cool. So I'm, I'm quite slow on the uptake, usually. Uh, let's see, Connie Ketchup's in the house, too, as well. Good evening, Connie Ketchup. What you, what's Miss Connie Ketchup got to say here? She says, uh, I knew we should have all written to him and attached documentation about the vaccine, and now it's where do you get uh, people wanted the vax? Um, hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I, I don't... Well, you know, I mean, I... I been around herds of people that were like, yes, the vaccine is good. 
But, um, I, you know, back when he was president, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Kamala and Biden were all like pushing. It was uh, terrible to get the vax. You don't want to trust that man. He, he cooked it up in a, in a lab somewhere in a, uh, uh, an abandoned trailer in the middle of uh, uh, five acres of land out in the forest somewhere. That's how President Trump got that vaccine going. Um, but now, you know, um, it seems that uh, pe- people wanted something because they were afraid. But yeah, I, I mean, for a general call for it, I mean, I, people in my neighborhood were like, give me the vaccine. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, you know, Connie, though, that's a good that's a good um, that's a good suggestion, though. Like, uh, what's stopping us from doing that right now? Like, stopping us from, uh, you know, writing President Trump and saying, "Hey, buddy, have you seen this report yet? Uh, or are your uh, are the people in your your orbits keeping you from that information too?" Um, I don't know. I don't know how it could be either way, but uh, most definitely. Most definitely. I would say we could do it now. Maybe that will change his heart. Uh, (laughs) But for the political game uh, that I believe that is being played right now, I just don't think that that's feasible. That's not a topic of conversation for tonight. Uh, But if you would like to be on a panel and have an opposing view about uh, President Trump and his uh, vaccination declarations, please get in touch with me at pill.net, slide into my DM, and uh, let me know, because I'm trying to set something up right now, because I think it is a very important conversation for the community, and I most definitely think that, um, um, I mean, it should be, it sh- it's one that should be had, and, and all sides of it should be heard, um, and, and uh, you know, given that breadth of uh of perspective but anyhow all right uh, i will stop uh soliciting for guests on the show for this panel this is going to be the hardest one i think but anyways um yeah yeah back back in the day when uh the fear of covid was vast and strong and the spell wasn't quite broken uh, I, I remember people wanting that vaccine, just uh, no one that was a Democrat or a liberal or was conscious about politics. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Where does that put us next, ladies and gentlemen? We are now going into the sham hearing, the uh, kangar- kangaroo court proceedings of uh, today's um, uh, today's um, hearing committee on the... Um, oversight and reform and it's just can you guys tell i'm still flustered about this because <laughs> okay so right off the top of the bat you have a house committee formulating this uh this hearing about the arizona audit now if the title of the hearing did not give us enough foresight to understand that this was a sham This was a fraud hearing. This was designed only to prop up the narrative of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and uh, also to give some more sound bites and ammunition to the mainstream media, which has already done a pretty good job of running away with the lies and the deceit of this uh, of this audit report. Now, uh, you guys have ever heard of lies of omission, right? Like, uh, I would say, um, I, I honestly make every attempt not to lie. I'm pretty conscious of that. Uh, but the lie of omission 
is one that uh, you know is a little easier to get away with because it's almost technically not by not lying. You're just withholding information. And uh, it seems that uh, that's kind of what we have going on here with uh, the greater mainstream fake news legacy media and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and every uh, representative and elected official in Arizona that is not um, standing for election integrity is, uh, you know, the audit was a fraud and it proved that Biden won by a higher count. Goodness, guys, let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, and they have gotten away with it thus far. Now, today would have been the perfect opportunity, by far, the perfect opportunity for someone who either represented the Arizona um, Senate, State Senate, and trust me, nobody here represented the Arizona State Senate. Now, uh, look down the line there of who we got. We got uh, Jack Sellers, the sellout rhino, who's chair of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. We have Bill Gates, not the eugenicist, but, uh, you know, he's also a chairman. Um, he's also a member of the uh, Board of Supervisors for Maricopa County. Uh, we got this guy, this uh, uh, Mr. Becker, and uh, he represents a uh, 501, 5013C, C3, sorry, um, nonprofit uh, election integrity foundation that has ties to uh, liberals, Democrats, and progressives. And then we have uh, former Secretary of State for the state of Arizona, Ken Bennett, who also served as the uh, state liaison, well, not the state liaison, as the liaison between the Arizona Senate and the auditors that were uh, doing their work over there at Veterans Memorial Coliseum. So we have those four individuals. And like I said, not a single one of them was there to represent the Arizona Senate or even the uh, Cyber Ninjas or any of the auditors. Even as Ken Bennett sits there doe-eyed and useless, he was not there representing. Uh, he quite actually uh, was very good at expressing information with no opinion whatsoever throughout this hearing. He said the truth when it was the truth, but uh, when when it came time for him to put his foot down with, uh, you know, what he knows to be a fact and what he saw and read and understands of the Arizona audit report. Now, people don't tell me that Ken Bennett did not read that report, does not understand that report, that uh, believes that Biden won the election because that question was asked of him and his answer was most definitely disappointing. And I'm getting ahead of myself. I was just, I am that upset by this. So now the house committee on oversight and reform sets up this hearing for today, which I might add was under publicized. No one knew what was happening. Uh, they have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I saw that they also had um, another hearing for this Facebook whistleblower. Uh, but that might have been uh, that might have been an error in scheduling I saw in an article. But point being is that uh, we were too busy doing other things to pay attention to this. People didn't want you to hear this. And I can tell you that for a fact, because uh, this sham, like if anyone who 
watch the hearing audit report that they had in Arizona, you would know, like, these guys have just been running away with lies. And it's better for them that you do not know than, uh, than, than were you to know. Now, the title of this, uh, the title of this um, uh, hearing here by the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, and it was all Democrats, basically, all Democrats, basically, maybe a couple of rhinos in there, um, with the exception of uh, Representative Gosart and Representative Biggs. Biggs was really the only real, you know, um, uh, American patriot there. Of course, he also represents Arizona, but he was on the he was on the questioning panel side of it. He wasn't a witness, <clears throat> and uh, Gosart was helpful, you know. Um, but uh, the title of the hearing was "Hearing on Partisan Arizona Election Audit." and threats to democracy. So right away, just by that title, you know that uh, there's going to be a definite angle to this thing, right? It's not going to be a full on out, let's, uh, let's talk about what we found. No, rather what it was, was let's have a hearing on the lie that we are continuing to promulgate throughout the entire um, um, uh, media venues, and uh, let's 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 continue this lie that says that Joe Biden won, and the fraud was uh, the the audit was a fraud, and nothing came out of it. And um, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, you know um, Andy Biggs, Representative Biggs, actually called them on that, and uh, that was at the head of the uh, hearing. And for that reason, I was like, you know, this might actually be uh, interesting. We needed someone in there with fire to correct their lies and to tell them exactly how the account went. Uh, let me see if we have that clip. It's, pro it's probably, yeah, there's Mr. Biggs right there, Andy Biggs of Arizona. He did a good job today, although, I mean... Since he was not a witness and he was not testifying, I'm pretty sure that that would be the only reason why I'd say, okay, Andy Biggs, it's okay that you didn't like really tear into them. He could have, but um, I, since he was not a witness, I, I understand why that might not be the case. Let's go ahead and play this clip real quick for you guys. And uh, so you can see what is up here. What do we got? Okay, we'll just start it from. Oh, that is uh, Representative Substantial. Ma hey, I didn't give you permission. That is Representative Maloney of New York. She's the one who uh, oversaw the hearing. Uh, staunch, tr never, never Trumper does not like President Trump, and uh, consistently sought to uh, have him impeached even after he was president. Anyways, here's the clip. EO Doug Logan to testify today so that we could hear firsthand about the audit's findings. Unfortunately, Mr. Logan refused our invitation and he also refused to produce documents that the committee requested back in July. The election of November. Okay, I had to pause it there real quick because of this Doug Logan issue. I wonder, we're going to see in the next few days what was really going on. Um, I, I honestly wonder that he wasn't maybe threatened as he's claimed he's been threatened before um, or the timeliness maybe in which they informed him of this hearing. Uh, there could be several issues here, but uh, either way, they didn't want him there. Okay, they did not want him there either way. Third, 2020, 
in Maricopa County was free, fair, and accurate. Maricopa County is the second largest voting in the exact be accepting reported respond. I'm happy to respond. Yes, but by all means, do you accept the leave? But perhaps Mr. Biggs can correct me if I'm wrong. I hear him not even to be accepting the results of this audit, which say that Joe Biden got more votes than were lawfully reported by the state. And so well, the, the gentleman yield, you called me out and asked if I would respond. I'm happy to respond. Yes, but by all means, do you accept the uh, do you accept this audit, which showed that Joe Biden won and indeed by more votes than that is not what the audit results. concluded, Mr. Raskin, you know better than that. Have you read the whole audit? Are you cherry picked the line which talks about the recount versus the tabulation machines that we would have expected to be very similar? And it was. And so anything that might have inured to President who, who Biden's effect is my question, Mr. Biggs. I'm happy to yield to you. Who won the election in Arizona? Donald Trump? We don't Joe know Biden? because the as the audit, it demonstrates very clear, clearly, Mr. Raskin, there are a lot of issues with this uh, election that took place. We're going to go through those today. We reviewed each of the almost 2.1 million ballots. And despite months of warnings from the county, our secretary of state, election experts, and most of the media, that the auditor's procedures were imprecise and unreliable, the most significant finding of the audit is that the hand count of the physical ballots very closely matches the county's official results in the president and U.S. Senate races. Now, that finding is frustrating to many who expected the audit to prove a different election result. But as Arizona Senate President Karen Fan stated numerous times, the audit has never been about trying to overturn the 2020 election. It is about verifying that Arizona laws and procedures were followed and identifying how our laws can be improved and better enforced going forward to maximize integrity in our elections. And without uh, I overplayed a little bit uh on accident because um, my screen was uh, pinwheeling over here. Uh, the point was with uh, Andy Biggs, right? That's the way that question should have been answered, right? Um, when and that was that was that was how they were gunning for them. They were gunning for anyone that was pro election integrity by asking them straight out, "Do you believe the results of the audit?" Who is the president? Because that's kind of like, I don't know, the equivalent of uh, asking someone, um, I don't know, like, uh, or, or just, you know, saying, saying conspiracy theorist, right? So they can totally discredit you. So they can be like, well, you're saying Trump won? Well, obviously you, you went into this with that, you know, forethought. Um, Andy Biggs, when asked that question, said, he said, who is the president? He said, I don't know. We don't know because of the results of this audit report. And uh, he scolded that Rafskin guy. And I just, when Jack Seller was on and Rafskin, I, I had to like kind of forward through it. That's why we didn't watch the rest of Jack Seller's openings. I can't, can, cannot do it. Um, but um, with, uh, with Biggs and Rafskin, like he said, you know, he, he was like, basically like shame on you uh, because you know that that is very well not the results of what we were um what we produced in Arizona. So again, this is a lie of omission that uh, the whole like vehicle that is the mainstream news, uh, uh, the whole propaganda machine has run away with in order to spread these lies. So, you know, if you hear anyone talking about the Arizona audits, that's not initiated and did not experience any of this for themselves, that's what they're going to believe. And that's what they're going to say.
So like I said, uh, Biggs did a good job. Um, um, and, uh, you know, again, he was also a member of the, uh, of the committee, uh, questioning. So he, he couldn't really just, I think that's, that's about as far out as he went. And that's actually as about as far out as any of them went. And, and Biggs did say, we're going to talk about the results today, you know, as in all of the ballots, as in everything, of course, that never happened. Never, never, never happened. Um, other than Ken Bennett giving out some information that was truthful. Uh, he did He did a comment on the chain of custody and uh, he did a comment on some of the ballots. But other than that, he did not offer any type of opinion or subjective uh, um, perception on his own personal belief about how this audit was. So in my opinion, Bennett here was quite, uh, I, this morning I described him as neutered. Like he was ineffective. He was, he was just, uh, to me it was complicit. Now here's what got my goat, okay? The whole fact of the matter is that when uh, they came after Bennett with that same question, all right, now keep in mind, former secretary of state, uh, the first liaison between um, the Arizona Senate and the uh, auditors over there in Maricopa County, um, when they came at him with the question, who is the president, did Biden win? Much like uh, Larry Elder, uh, Ken Bennett said, yes, Joe Biden is the president of the United States of America. And I was like, I nearly dropped my bagel. And um, I could not, you know, uh, but but then again, I mean, to be quite fair to myself, like, uh, you know, I saw, we all know that he also leaked some information and he was the only one of the entire team that leaked information, which he apologized for. And he was summarily removed from his duties as the liaison when that happened. No more access to the Veterans Memorial Theater. No more access to any of the, uh, you know, any of the um, the machinery of what was going on in there. But uh, yeah, so he leaks and uh, he gets removed. Um, so, you know, I was pretty much on the fence with Bennett at that point. I was like, it could have been a mistake. It could have been an honest mistake. This man knows how important this is. Because indeed, the information that he leaked did get into the press and the press took it and ran with it. And they tried to uh, pollute some of the findings that they had in there. Now, you guys, do y'all remember they were also asking him about bamboo paper? That's another narrative that the mainstream media wanted to run with because that's what they were trying. That's how they were trying to clown up this entire audit. Um Bennett also works uh, for uh, the same organization that Matt Brainerd, uh, the guy who, uh, the election integrity guy who uh, arranged the justice for J6, I like to call it the justice for Juicy, uh, Washington uh, Patriot Roundup, because that's what that would have been. That would have been another false flag had it gone through. Well, Bennett works with him. So, um, and I don't trust Brainerd, even though some people are still using him as an, uh, to endorse them or to, uh, uh, stand as a representative of election integrity. There's something about that man that does not sit well with me. 
And it's kind of fitting to note that uh, Ken Bennett works with him as well as a member of the board on that organization. What is it? It's one of those uh, it's one of those Democrat progressive, like liberal types of work, like move ahead. Like it's like move on America. Like uh, maybe that's the, I think it is called move on America. Anyways, maybe that's the point. They're like, move on, get over it. Like, you know, uh, we're here in 2021. So anyways, I don't know. I don't know uh, where all this is going with uh, Ken Bennett, but uh, he actually he actually was not scheduled to be here today either. He actually took the place of Dr. Shiva and Dr. Shiva was set to be on this panel. Talk about someone who would have brought fire and logic and reasoning. Now we know why he was removed from the list and he was uh, he was replaced with this um, impotent excuse for a public servant. And uh, let's see, what about what do we got about Dr. Shiva? There's Dr. Shiva. Now, uh, Dr. Shiva, again, he was scheduled to appear. Um, and again, um, compromised at best, Rhino at worst, Bennett sat in for him. Um, let's see here. Um, Shiva, Shiva was, um, well, we, we, we know what would have been mentioned or discussed, just like Biggs probably was prepared to talk about the ballots uh, that were counterfeit, the duplicated ballots, uh, the broken chain of custody. I mean, we're talking about 1.9 million mail-in ballots with deleted election data, you know. Uh, we're talking about uh, common usernames and passwords being uh, used and shared amongst multiple um, um, account holders. 2,500 duplicated ballots with no serial numbers, uh, 1,900 plus blank mail-in ballot envelopes, uh, missing serial numbers on thousands of adjudicated ballots. Now, Dr. Shiva's presentation, as you guys might remember, found uh, 17,000 ballot envelopes that were duplicates and another 9,000 ballot envelopes that were missing where Maricopa County claimed that they were provided. Um, in addition to that, he also reported on 2,500 issues with signatures, even though a signature check was not included in the scope of the audit, and that also the audit had no chain of custody review of required documentation. I think all in all, they said there was like, what, about 700,000 ballots that were in question and or had an issue with it, all of which, through this lie of omission where they expect the docile and dumbed down general America to not dig any deeper, but accept the fact that uh, obviously the Maricopa County count and the uh, hand count, sorry, the Maricopa County count, yeah, and the audits count, hand count, because uh, um, um, Representative Maloney was quite emphatic about that being, don't you forget now, this is the uh, the audit hand count and the Maricopa County count. Yes, they were quite similar. That was expected, as Big said. But what they're refusing to acknowledge is the vast amount of actual fraud that has been found in this audit report. And again, Shiva could not be there because he would have told the truth. And um, Doug Logan could not be there because I am sure he probably would have made a statement to the effect that uh, 
he was threatened from keeping any type of um, decertification language out of the final report. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is a basic wrap on the hearing today. You didn't miss much, uh, but uh, you did miss a lot if you want. <laughs> I was like totally losing it this morning. Now, um, uh, Dr. Shiva, again, in addition to being booted, um, he did he did also uh, do a case study. Um, he did a case study wherein uh, he put Maricopa County officials and their dark money propaganda outlets to shame. Now, this was another primary focus of this hearing. They had um, they had uh, uh, all of this squibble squabble over dark money, and they, they made it so apparent. They started naming names. They're like uh, General Michael Flynn. Uh, they were like Sidney Powell. They're like Patrick Byrne. You know, real American heroes. Uh, but yeah, that's dark money, right? And uh, so they, they went on a little tangent about that. Um, the case study that um, um, Dr. Shiva did. Um, that one, it was called a case study of Maricopa County election officials effectively using a local blog purporting independent journalism to malign an auditor who reported anomalies in 2020 U.S. election. Um, it was an extensive report that outlined Dr. Shiva's impressive credentials, of course, as an expert in multiple fields, um, but um, also justifications for a full forensic audit, the playbook that was uh, followed. Arizona Mirror's absolute worst independent journalism, and he also provided detailed response to the misinformation and disinformation that's being pushed by Maricopa County through the Arizona Mirror proxy. So again, remember guys, in Arizona, it seems there more so than in other places, uh, all of their local media is uh, leftist, and uh, you know it's, it's owned by those types of masters Indeed, if you guys remember the uh, the entire BlackRock and Vanguard, uh, you know, um, uh, documentary we saw, like all of that money, all of those types of organizations for news and for uh, reporting are are basically paid for by uh, you know leftist and progressive um, 501c3 and 501c4 organizations, nonprofit organizations that fund these people. So it's really such the case there in Arizona. And Shiva, he also denounced in his study the county and the state media for their racist ad hominems and their refusal to look at his extraordinary qualifications as an exceptional computer software and pattern recognition expert. Um, Dr. Shiva outlined two concrete next steps for uh, what's happening there in regards to the audit report and the media's run away with it. Uh, he said, A, there needs to be an open forum where a dialogue can take place publicly between the Maricopa County officials and his self to review each anomaly and key finding documented in the report and also B, an investigation on whether the 501c not-for-profit named State Newsroom, um, which, is a, a, which is a part of the Arizona Mirror, effectively served as a proxy for Maricopa County election officials to execute a hit job on him, on himself, um, a member of the audit team of the 2020 Maricopa County Arizona general election results, was aimed to support one political candidate Biden over Trump. 
Um, and his investigation concluded that the Arizona Mirror, independent journalism at its worst, that Maricopa County election officials chose to unleash their misinformation and disinformation, not in any formal manner, such as responding to the anomalies and key findings, but rather effectively through a proxy, an unknown blog which misrepresents itself as an independent journalism. So uh, that's part of that. He had something to say about that. He's been responding to a lot of what has been happening in Maricopa County. Um, and um, the uh, report went on to conclude that he exposes the local and decentralized independent media blogs for what they really are, which is centrally managed, dark money, misinformation outlets designed to control local narratives. And apparently some of the key players who are involved in funding these outlets in Arizona include Mark Zuckerberg. Seems to make sense. He is the founder of Arabella Advisors, which is uh, where some of this money is coming from to these um, blogs and journals. And also uh, Eric Kessler, who was a uh, Clinton appointee. And uh, Pierre Omidyars, who is of Democracy Fund, and uh, they are also behind these fake news propaganda operations. So all of this evidence and that 67-page report has been turned over to A.G. Brnovich to be included in his investigation. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what, that man... He is, uh, he is one of the most important men in American history at this time <laughs> because the future of where this goes lies solely on his uh, findings and his integrity and his love of freedom and this country. I mean, basically, that is where it is going to go out from there. So we will see how that develops as it moves forward. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Let me get this uh, fixed straight for you guys. Sorry about that. Come on, James. What's up, buddy? I got James on the screen. Okay, it's time for us to move into another topic for tonight. Uh, our last topic with a segue by um, the Project Veritas release of their fifth installment, otherwise known as the COVID Vax Exposed Part 5. Uh, this has been another one of those that uh, was far more successful at getting out into the public and going viral than the uh, Maricopa County 2020 presidential election audit report. But nonetheless, um, you know, we will uh, definitely run with our victories where we can. Now, uh, since um, um, Project Veritas dropped, started to drop the videos in this series, like it, it has gone viral. It's, it's been at the top trends in social media. Of course, uh, his accounts are getting backlash over everything uh, that they're exposing. Uh, you know, we're seeing reprisals on the people who are featured in these films, uh, whether they are losing their job or they are being shamed in the street. Uh, part one of the series dealt with the uh, Health and Human Services um, of the United States and a whistleblower that went public in that recording, admitting that um, the government didn't want to uh, show that the vaccine is full of crap. And uh, it really um, it really accented the failures of the vaccine 
and um, the, the malarkey runaround that uh, even scientists at that level are being given um, in regards to uh, the duress they face in that position. Uh, the second part uh, was um, and the FDA. <laughs> it was the FDA episode. It was the blow dart episode, right? I think that one will be famous forever. Is that one where we saw a uh, sociopathic and uh, um, um, callous little SJW, probably uh, probably one of those um, like other gender people. Um, and that one, uh, yeah, uh, talking about how you cannot, you could, you should not, should not be taking the vaccines and, uh, you know, otherwise um, the culture of the FDA. Let me tell you what, to want to, to want to like uh, jab someone against their will. Part three was the Johnson and Johnson uh, kids should not get the vaccine, says a Johnson & Johnson employee. And then part four, which dropped on Monday, of course, we had the Pfizer scientists admitting that uh, our own natural immunity is far stronger than that of the COVID vaccine. Uh, tonight's episode is also uh, going to be with Pfizer. And uh, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, because it's been released since yesterday, yeah pretty much know what's going on here but um it, it, Pfizer guys and uh, it, it's in regards to the uh research and the ingredients of these vaccines oh lordy i think you guys know what time it is it's a uh, time to sit back and relax and uh watch this indeed is what they call beautiful bean footage I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, I just believe in research and science. Well, in this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., is Senior Director of Worldwide Research. The question came up as an inquiry to our MedInfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus? They want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. Um, it's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units. This message from Vanessa Gilman. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible. Wow. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit we could see. They ought to put that on American currency. Philip Dormitzer, Vice President, Chief Scientific Officer. These are not low-level people here. So you're showing us emails between the Vice President of Pfizer, the Senior Director of Worldwide Research, mm -hmm. about how to couch it a certain way because we would not want to tell the people that it can be traced back to human fetal tissue. Copying Vanessa Gelman, we have an approved answer to this question, the question being about fetal tissue. Mm -hmm. 
which Vanessa can probably provide, HEK2932, what does that mean, HEK? Uh, human embryo kidney cells, okay. and it was from experiment 293. They've used cells from aborted fetuses. Yes. And they don't cells. want the public to know that. Yes. That's staggering for society because of what you said, religious exemptions. Mm -hmm. And they're denying our religious exemptions at Pfizer. This is serious stuff you're, you're, you're dealing with. These are, these are powerful people and a very powerful company. They're withholding knowledge on people's approval if they can consent or not. From Sarah Elizabeth Weiser, the principal scientist. Uh, she's just making sure, you know, uh, just be clear. You would like medical information to reply with the text in red below, including the highlighted section. Okay. Thanks again. And then they responded, responded with, with No, I would prefer that we do not use the text <laughs> in yellow. Um, they're being so deceptive in their emails. It's almost like it is in the final vaccine. It just made me not trust it. There was an issue with the FDA. and I heard something about they're doing some sort of tests in there with lights, but I'm not sure. And I said, in unoccupied rooms and in a group lead office? And he goes, well, the FDA is coming. I could not believe that they were blacking out windows down in our manufacturing rooms. We are told that you should be seen at all times, that we need to make sure that yeah. um, we have high integrity and the, the rooms that are like this one where you can see my reflection, it's a group lead office mm -hmm. where they just do the paperwork for the batches. Mm. So why does that need blacked out? And why did you decide to come to Project Veritas? Because I felt it was the right thing to do. I feel like I have no one else to turn to when my own company won't be honest with me. What I was told to do was to trust Project Veritas and to go with you guys by lawmakers, by lawyers. Really? I was really genuinely traumatized and sickened from the things I saw and I needed to leave there. So I just took a leave of absence so that I could gather my thoughts and really kind of heal from this information. The extraordinary act of blowing the whistle on the company and publishing emails from their vice president is another step entirely. Are you, are you afraid of doing this? A little bit. I, I have faith that I'll be protected or whatever the outcome is, is what it's supposed to be. So I, I'm at peace with it. I'm a little anxious on what they'll do or what they'll say, but it needs to be seen by the people because they're trying to get this to kids. And if they're being this deceptive about it, I don't feel comfortable being silent. The government doesn't want to show that the dumb vaccine is full of shit. We need to register the people who aren't vaccinated. That's sounding very germane. I'm going to go door to door instead of one. Oh, it's just your booster shot. Don't get vaccinated. I'm not going to tell you she didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. She was coerced into taking they it. They are not reported because they want to show it on the, the map. I want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. Why did you decide to come to Project Veritas? I felt it was the right thing to do. I feel like I have no one else to turn to when my own company won't be honest with me. I just didn't know who else to turn to. And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? Yes. And where, where exactly do you work? I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. It's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units. We handle the product daily. Uh, quality gets to see the process from fill to pack. So we see everything. How long have you worked there? Uh, going on 10 years, but I've been in quality for five. Tell us about what you saw that concerned you. Accidentally, honestly, was going to do a Google search on our uh, computer implant 
and I must have clicked the wrong box on our homepage and searched in our database instead. And I saw reports of what I had searched for and I'd click them and then I realized that they were internal documents on our internal Pfizer database. In this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Tell us about that. What was troubling to me was they were wanting to keep it under wraps. They didn't really want the information out there that they were using the um, hex cells um, to do the study. Um, they're being so deceptive in their emails. It's almost like it is in the final vaccine. Um, they're just being really deceptive and they're being careful with their words. And it just made me not trust it. Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., is senior director of Worldwide Research, advocates talking to Vanessa and says, um, the question came up as an inquiry to our MedInfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus when carrying out any tests? This is after we'd already confirmed with the customer that no cell lines from an aborted fetus were used. Vanessa wrote February 4th of this year. Thanks so much. Who is this information for? We, we have been trying as much as possible to not mention the fetal cell lines. So we would really like to stay focused on the first part if possible. This is what we have said most recently for inquiries received via our board of directors and through direct emails to Michael Dolston. The piece in yellow, we have tried really hard to not share unless it's strictly necessary and mission critical. The acceptable phrase you're allowed to say is the human fetal derived cell lines are not used to produce our investigational vaccine, which consists of synthetic and enzymatically produced components. But then they want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. I mean, this is pretty, they're trying to keep this secret from the public. They don't want to stir up a mess. They don't want to have to deal with people who are upset because I think people can use religious exemptions for it and they don't want that. I think they want uh, to nobody to have an excuse to not get it. They've used cells from aborted fetuses. Yes. And they don't cells. want the public to know that. Yes. And and that that's staggering for society because of what you said, religious exemptions. Mm -hmm. And they're denying our religious exemptions at Pfizer. And this could change that because people who have religious views, that mm -hmm. certainly changes the game, doesn't it? Yes. These are powerful people and a very powerful company. They're withholding knowledge on people's approval if they can consent or not. This is Philip Dormitzer, Vice President, Chief Scientific Officer. Copying Vanessa Gelman, we have an approved answer to this question, the question being about fetal tissue, mm -hmm. which Vanessa can probably provide H-E-K-2932. What does that mean? Heck, cells? Uh, human embryo kidney cells, and okay. it was from experiment 293. On the other hand, the Vatican Doctrinal Committee has confirmed that they consider it acceptable for pro-life believers to be immunized. He's basically saying, why don't we just say it? The Vatican's already said that they have no excuse to not take it if it's mm -hmm. in there. Like, he's like, why aren't we just, you know, being honest kind of things, how I read it. So what's one. the difference between this approved answer, hex cells used for IV are ultimately derived from border fetus, and the other one they're trying to keep secret? Well, it's almost like they are doing a script. They're sticking mm -hmm. to a script. Like, we've had this approved, this verbiage is approved, so this is what we need to stick to, when rather they should just be making it as clear and easy to understand for the population so that they can make informed decisions on this. You're showing us emails between the vice president of Pfizer, the senior director of worldwide research mm -hmm. about how to couch it a certain way because we would not want to tell the people that it can be traced back to human fetal tissue. 
we have tried really hard to not share, quote, one or more cell lines back to human fetal tissue. From Vanessa Gelman to the vice president of Pfizer. A lot of people go to medical information. So I would prefer, if possible, we respond with what we have consistently said. We wouldn't like to have any inconsistency out there, particularly with information that has been shared with policymakers and the media. So what I gathered from this was, We've already made a statement. We have to stick to that. We can't stray because it'll make us look bad. This is the principal scientist in Massachusetts. And what happens here? Uh, she's just making sure, you know, uh, just be clear. You would like medical information to reply with the text in red below, including the highlighted section. Okay. Thanks again. And then they responded, responded with, with No, I would prefer that we do not use <laughs> the text in yellow. No, do, don't be that honest. Just a little honest. <laughs> Vanessa Gelman is sending this note saying, she does really not want you to, to know mm. that they're using More uh, than one. cell lines from human fetal tissue. I received last night a similar request via Laura Payne. So there are multiple executives in Pfizer asking Vanessa Gelman. So they just can't be honest with us. There's something that Vanessa says involving the Facebook campaign. I completely understand, but I just want to make sure we are responding to a legitimate request and not to a request that may ignite a Facebook campaign on this that we may ultimately need to manage. They don't want people making awareness, I guess, they of don't, what they're doing. They're afraid <laughs> of the people being aware of this. Yeah. And it really, this one's interesting because it shows you that they ultimately fear the people on social media knowing this. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they, this is what they fear the most. Yeah. The they want people out. to take their vaccine. Yeah. Right. right. It's interesting that, that Facebook, too, is censoring anything that's critical of this vaccine. And factual, like... Uh, when I'm an employee and I make an opinion, I get fact-checked. <laughs> I mean, this this very interview will may be censored or banned. They're probably going to label these screenshots of the vice president, chief scientist advisor, and your comments as misinformation. And your response to them is? I've worked there 10 years. I've been trained there. Uh, there's no way. Uh, I know the process. I love my job. I know my training. Uh, this message from Vanessa Gilman, CCing all these executives. What, what, what are we looking at here? She just says things like, thanks so much for everybody for keeping us in on the loop. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. As you can all appreciate, we are communicating on this vaccine across multiple fronts and managing issues that arise. In this heated environment of heightened scrutiny on every detail of our vaccine, we would like to avoid creating an opportunity to raise an issue. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible. Wow. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit we could see. They ought to put that on American currency. That's the final decision from Phil Dormitzer. The statement has, has been, been extensively, extensively vetted. vetted. Best, Phil Dormitzer, vice president, who there was an issue with the FDA and windows being, being grayed out. My last day there, um, I took a mental health leave of absence after this from my job because I was sickened and traumatized from a lot of the things that I realized were going on. It really upset me and it shook me. I could not believe that they were blacking out windows down in our manufacturing rooms. Why would they want to do that? 
Well, I was wondering that as well, especially because there are rooms that there's no need for that. Like where they tell us, you know, make sure you can be seen at all times for integrity purposes, you know. And so when I saw they were blacking out windows in group lead offices and in uh, unoccupied fill rooms, I thought it was odd. So I raised it to in someone in AQ, which is aseptic quality. And I said, hey, do you know why they're blacking out windows down in manufacturing? And he said, well, the FDA is coming. So, you know, I have a friend who, you know, says, I don't know why everyone's making this so political science. You know, the people are so divided on this issue. What, what do you say to the people who are pro-vaccine, who are not in the pharmaceutical industry? They're just regular people in New York City who think you got to take that vaccine. Stop making it political. It shouldn't be political, but they're making it political. The media and the government's making it political. But this isn't about Republican, Democrat, or liberal or conservative. This is informed consent on injecting something inside of you from a company that's called it a experimental vaccine. This is about when you see something that's being done that you don't think is right and exposing it. I don't know if anyone's ever done this before. I mean... I, I don't see much investigative reporting in the big pharma, certainly not, not emails from executives. Are you afraid to be a current Pfizer employee blowing the whistle on Pfizer? Yeah, I, I'm a little anxious and nervous at what they may think or do. Um, I was, I was really genuinely traumatized and sickened from the things I saw and I needed to leave there. Um, but I didn't want to quit because I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. So I just took a leave of absence so that I could gather my thoughts and really kind of heal from this information. You've taken a leave of absence, but the extraordinary act of blowing the whistle on the company and publishing emails from their vice president is another step entirely. Are you, are you afraid of doing this? A little bit. Um, but I, I have faith that I'll be protected or whatever the outcome is, is what it's supposed to be. So I, I'm at peace with it. I'm a little anxious on what they'll do or what they'll say, but it needs to be seen by the people because they're trying to get this to kids. And if they're being this deceptive about it, I don't feel comfortable being silent while they're trying to get it to babies who can't talk. What do you think the reaction will be to this? I pray that it unites us, that we can look and go, what are they doing? Like, why, what do they think they're doing to us? Why do they think that they can just say this to us and make us take something when they're not even honest about what they're doing or what's in it? And, and your husband here is, is on set with us. I won't mention his name, but what does he think about what you're doing? When I started to notice some things, I'd, I'd mention them and he'd say, you know, well, you know, don't worry about it. You know, I'm sure it's nothing. And we, I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, I just believe in research and science and stuff like that. And so I was waiting, waiting to get the vaccine just to see the scientific results, to see how it goes. And once I showed him what I had found and once I told him what I had found, I got nothing but love and support. Uh, and why didn't you go to the New York Times or uh, the Washington Post, which tagline is democracy dies in darkness? They seem like they do decent work. And also, why not go to Congress with this information? Well, I've spoken to lawyers, uh, I've spoken to people, and this is what I was told to do was to trust Project Veritas and to go with you guys by lawmakers, by lawyers. Really? Mm -hmm. Whistleblower 
lawyers told me that some things are better leaked to the media than doing it the other way. I think this just needs to get out there so that people can realize we're being deceived. Lawyers told you to come to Veritas. Yes. Whistleblower people told you yeah. to come to Veritas. They said if I go the route with them, the lo the lawyers, it could be three three years before this comes out. And that was from someone in the DOJ. So DOJ individual told yes. you to do that under mm -hmm. the Biden administration. Uh, he was in there 17 years. He's not uh, there now, but he was for 17 years. And he advised that I bring this to you guys because it could take years. And if they're trying to get this to kids soon, it's just it's not going to be enough time. Is there anything else you want to say? On the record, there's going to be millions yeah. of people that watch this. I'd like to say something to Pfizer. You guys are very adamant about integrity and making sure that things are done right and that things are always double checked. But I'm just one person, one face of many of your employees who are willing to fight this and reveal to the world what's going on. And all we want is for you to be transparent and honest with us and do the right thing. Wowzers, ladies and gentlemen, if they were ever going to make uh, the question of these vaccines a moral one or not, eat your heart out. Uh, not literally, obviously, but uh, that's uh, that is quite uh, quite an expose there, ladies and gentlemen. Whew. You know, there was that uh, story about, um, who was it? A, uh, there was a story about a, um, these students like that were going to a, a Catholic school that were uh, suing so that this way they could get the uh, religious exemption because of the abortions and the, the baby fetus parts. And I don't know how that story went, but uh, I think that their uh, case just got a whole lot stronger. That is for sure. Um, and I guess if this woman was still on leave, I wonder if she's back now. And, uh, now her bosses are probably like, what the heck is this that's going on? What, uh, that was uh, very good. Pfizer Pfizer gets two shots this week from project Veritas, so to speak. Okay. Uh, while we are on the topic of COVID, uh, let's get a little bit into, uh, some of this COVID news. Like I said, this will be the last story for tonight. Uh, I see us getting out of here in a few more minutes, probably about 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the tops. Uh, but uh, yeah, with all of the crimes that we see being exposed over at Project Veritas in regards to uh, the vaccines, the agencies of the government that we're supposed to trust and uh, the work that they're going to do. Uh, we know that this man, Fauci, has most definitely been at the top of that heap of garbage um, as being, uh, you know, the man um, that was the face of the pandemic, basically, and uh, the one that all Americans have come to trust in his, uh, you know, trolly little Danny DeVito voice of his. And the, the, the primary question that has come up the most involves, um, you know, uh, Fauci and uh, um the department that he's the head of, that is the uh, NIAID, um, and also um, the um, um, department of uh, the NIH, uh, in regards to uh, how money was being spent and used when it comes down to gain of function research and development in relationship to the Wuhan lab, 
where um, uh, this um, virus, this uh, bioweapon, this uh, genuinely manufactured disease first came into existence. And uh, there's been a lot of hoopla about that. There's been a lot of question, of course, but when we're talking about, uh, for instance, uh, we've all seen the, uh, the back and forth, the war of words between uh, one Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci. Uh, and we know that there's been a lot of information that has been leaked in regards to um, uh, Fauci having actually funded gain of function. That's the main thing that they're looking at. Um, but with with that in mind, and also with the ties to China that it takes from there, um, a story had just broke recently about Anthony Fauci's NIAID um, funding an institute that trained researchers at Wuhan lab that were ha that housed, of course, uh, not just this coronavirus, COVID-19, but other fatal aerosol-borne viruses. And this came from a leaked email. Um, the newly leaked email was a conversation between Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. or sorry, not Dr., but James LeDuc. And it showed that the United States National Institute of Health funded an institute that trained researchers um, from at, at the Wuhan lab's biosafety level four facility, so trained them there. And uh, while Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, uh, LeDuc is the uh, director of the Galveston National Laboratory which is funded by the NIAID. That's Fauci's place. Now, the relationship between the Galveston National Laboratory and the Wuhan Institute of Virology is established through a 2017 email conversation between uh, Dr. Fauci and James LeDuc. Uh, the email shows how the Galveston National Laboratory, funded by the NIAID, was directly involved in training Chinese scientists at the biosafety level four facilities. And importantly, these facilities deal with viruses that are spread through aerosols and can cause deadly diseases in human beings. Bearing the subject line China BSL4 Labs, the email that was written by James LeDuc reminded Dr. Fauci about an earlier correspondence regarding collaboration with the Wuhan Labs Biosafety Level 4 facilities. And uh, it had highlighted, he had highlighted how the Chinese Academy of Agricultural Sciences, uh, which is otherwise known as the Harbin Biosafety Level 4 Lab, um, and also the directors of Chinese Academy of Scientists, which is where you will find the Wuhan Biosafety Level 4 Lab, and the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences, where you will find the Kunming Biosafety Level 4 Lab in China, had agreed to visit the Galveston National Laboratory. LeDuc also mentioned the importance of building collaborations and opportunities to meet important leaders of China. That is for uh, Dr. Fauci to meet important leaders of China. And yes, we have the email here, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to expand that. Uh, whoa, that's a little bit too big. <laughs> I'm gonna read it to you anyways. Now, again, this is from James LeDuc, October 31st, Halloween night, 2017. It says, Tony, 
in follow-up to our brief discussions at the UT, University of Texas meeting regarding collaborations with the new Chinese BSL-4 labs, the U.S. National Academy of Sciences will be hosting a meeting here at the Galveston National Laboratory, Tuesday the 16th, January to Thursday the 18th of January 2018, with counterparts from the Chinese Academy of Sciences, the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences, and the Chinese Academy of Agricultural Sciences. All of these are biosafety level four labs again. Each of these labs has been constructed and they are about to begin operations. The directors of each of these three new labs have uh, has agreed to come to Galveston as has George Gao, if his schedule permits. And about six to eight other accomplish, uh, accomplishes Chinese scientists. I'm pretty sure you accomplished Chinese scientists. The meeting will focus on a balance of science and operations with the goal of building collaborations and ensuring that the new labs are exposed to U.S. best practices in safety and security. I'm wondering if you would be interested in joining us. This is not a command performance, so no pressure is intended but it would be a good opportunity for you to meet and interact on a personal and informal basis with these important leaders of China. We expected about 10 to 12 senior Chinese and a comparable number of senior US scientists from outside UTMB, plus several UTMB folks. I will be hosting a dinner at our home on Tuesday evening to facilitate informal discussions let me know if you're interested and we can work to accommodate your schedule again. No pressure. Happy to chat if you like. Thanks, James Laduc. All right. So there you go with that. That's that one a bit of uh, information that has been leaked. Now, um, in, in this uh, email correspondence between Dr. Laduc or Mr. Laduc, I want to call him Dr. Laduc, Mr. Laduc and also uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, we see that uh, Dr. Fauci actually received this email on the same day and forwarded it to one of the NIAD ODAMs with a message that says, uh, let's discuss. So uh, that would be this one here. Now, the NID, NIAD ODAM. Couldn't tell you, my friends, but uh, that is Fauci. He's sending that over there. He wants to talk about it. Um, and then later on, he does respond again um, the following day, because as you can see, this was the same day, October 31st, on All Saints Day, uh, Dr. Fauci uh, basically declines the invitation. Uh, he says, um, thanks for the note and the invitation. Unfortunately, that week in January 2018 is all tied up for me, and so I regrettably will not be able to come to Galveston. Thanks for thinking of me. I need to make sure to avoid any kind of uh, public connection to the Chinese. Ooh, smart, Dr. Fauci. And uh, let's see, according to the Daily Mail, the laboratory technicians at the Wuhan Institute of Urology were trained by the University of Texas Medical Branch, that's the tech UTMB that they mentioned in the uh, email there, in Galveston, while National Science Foundation conducted workshops with 40 scientists from China and the United States. Despite the training and funding, only a limited number of U.S. researchers were given access to the facility, and the information came to light from one of uh, Switzer's cables, wherein he mentioned how the Wuhan Institute of Urology clarified that there would be limited availability 
of domestic and international scientists at this event. So that was something that was coming up that brings back that uh, China Fauci connection that people, uh, especially Fauci, just seem to keep trying to distance himself. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, when you got a situation like that going on. But let's talk about another one. Narrative of uh, this um, gain of function funding uh, requiem that we're doing tonight. Now we have here on the screen with Fauci himself, that is uh, Peter Daszak. Uh, Peter Daszak is the head of EcoHealth Alliance. And um, EcoHealth Alliance, as the story progresses, is the uh, agency that uh, Fauci funneled millions of dollars for him to funnel it over to Wuhan. So that's how these two are connected. But in this search for money, in the search for funding of gain of function, as you guys uh, may know already, or you will soon find out, you know, the United States government has been uh, fitting that bill for Fauci to funnel that money into gain of function research projects, which at different times in recent history has been put on a moratorium or banned and only to be reinstated or only to have Fauci uh, move that money some way and get across a screening review board so that this way Dazak and Eco Alliance can get the money to fund gain of function in Wuhan, which is what uh, all the word wars have been about between Dr. Senator Ron Paul and uh, this Tony Fauci gremlin. Um, now, Peter Daszak, as an evidence of trying to find funding for gain of function, actually applied um, for a, a grant from a DARPA. Um, and this happened in 2018. Daszak applied to develop novel coronavirus with DARPA in Wuhan in 2018. Now, Peter Daszak, he is a British scientist. He submitted a grant application to create a novel coronavirus in 2018. The group of critical scientists named Drastic revealed to The Telegraph. The proposal was filed to the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. One's got to wonder, why is he going to a defense development uh, you know, um, uh, organization agency for development of coronavirus? And then uh, slowly but surely, we begin to put two and two together, it seems. Uh, but uh, let's see here. Um, as it turns out, uh, he, he applied for that with uh, his EcoHealth Alliance um, and uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the University of North Carolina and Duke in Singapore. The proposal was rejected, but similar research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology could explain why there was no natural ancestor of the coronavirus to be found, perhaps because it's gain of function and perhaps because this is a clue about the true intentions between gain of function research and development and coronavirus. Um, this kind of ties those two theories together because of, you know, he's, he's seeking out some money and funding for development of coronavirus and now here we see this whole fight that they're going through with the gain of function. An unnamed WHO expert told the Telegraph that the process in the application would create a new virus sequence, not a 100% match to anything known. And that was from the application. Okay, so um, 
let's see here. Uh, oh, the uh, expert went on to say uh, they would then synthesize the viral genome from the computer sequence, thus creating a virus genome that did not exist in nature, but looks natural as it is the average of natural viruses. Then they would put that RNA in a cell and recover the virus from it. This would create a virus that has never existed in nature with a new backbone that didn't exist in nature, but is very, very similar as it's the average of natural backbones. So uh, Fauci and his crew were actively seeking funding for their mad scientist research. And Dazak, of course, working for EcoHealth Science, uh, having been refused by DARPA, uh, was funded by the NIAID as funneled through NIH and onto the Wuhan lab it went. Now, if you guys will recall, um, The Intercept a few weeks ago released a report um, that came from information that they had acquired by a Freedom of Information Act request. And in that report, it basically uh, revealed that um, Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance was in fact funded um, um, by, um, by um, Fauci and the money from EcoHealth Alliance indeed did go to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, it was at least $599,000. And uh, EcoHealth Alliance received a five-year grant of $666,000 for five years for a total of $3.3 million from the National Health Institute. Yep, that's, uh, that, is, uh, that was a situation that uh, we reported through uh, the Intercept uh, on their story into that funding. Because of that uh, report, we see that uh, this dude here, Francis Collins, who is the uh, director of the NIH, director of National Institutes of Health, um, he's actually resigning because of the ties that the NIH and the NIAID had to EcoHealth and the Wuhan lab. So uh, Francis Collins here is resigning. Uh, back in June, Francis Collins admitted on the radio show um, Hugh Hewitt that the U.S. Collaborate, uh, collaborated with Wuhan Virology Laboratory. He admitted it. And uh, Dr. Collins also went on to defend the research and the virology lab in Wuhan, China. In regards to his resignation, um, he says that uh, it has nothing to do with the controversy that is happening now with Fauci and Wuhan and Ego Health. Um, uh, a scientist, however, from Rutgers University, a scientist, a professor of biology says that uh, the documents released in this FOIA request make it clear that assertions by the NIH director, Francis Collins, and the NIAID director, Anthony Fauci, that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at Wuhan Institute of Virology are untruthful. So uh, everyone is seeing it as this entire puzzle begins to piece together. We're going to forward over that one. Um, but um, what we do have is... Um, we do have a report that also comes out of the brand new book, What 
but what really happened in Wuhan. Uh, that was the book by uh, Sherry Markson of uh, Sky News that came out. And in that book, they actually discuss about how um, the beginnings of funding for gain of function happened with the United States of America. Um, in 2018, March of 2018, it turns out a career diplomat by the name of Rick Switzer, alongside United States Consul General Jamie Faust, discovered that China had initiated its own version of the Global Verome Project. Now, the objective of the project was to detect all the viruses and the with pandemic epidemic potential on planet Earth within 10 years. It was supposed to be a collaborative effort among the international community and not just limited to Chinese scientists. Now, during their visit to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the duo found that the Chinese scientists were conducting experiments with complete disregard to safety practices and there was no U.S. surveillance. The Chinese version of the GVP was being led by a virologist by the name of Shi Zengli, and in April of that year, Rick Switzer sent a cable to the United States Department, uh, the United States State Department, highlighting how the National Institutes of Health funded research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Switzer pointed out how the research work included experimentation with coronavirus. We skip ahead to 2014. And we see that up until 2014, this research was conducted by Dr. Ralph Barrick um, at the University of North Carolina. And in 2014, the U.S. government issued a moratorium on federal gain-of-function research funding due to safety, ethical, and moral concerns raised within the scientific community. It was also at this point in 2014 that funding for gain-of-function research started being funneled through the EcoHealth Alliance to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, uh, documents uh, from this here. Now, this is PNAS, P-N-A-S, for you podcast listeners out there with a dirty mind. Now, um, PNAS, which uh, that stands for Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, and it's actually um, one of the world's most cited and comprehensive multidisciplinary scientific journals, which publishes more than 3,200 research papers annually, documented, PNAS documented that um, they had the proof that Fauci lied to Congress and included a paper in one of their publications in 2015 and 2016. One of the publications they printed was titled SARS-like, um, well, it's SARS-like uh, WIV-1 or Wuhan Institute of Virology-1 COVID poised for human emergence. That was the name of the article. SARS-like WIV-1 COVID poised for human emergence. And uh, that had actually been submitted to PNAS by Dr. Fauci, and it was published in 2016. Now, in this paper written by Dr. Fauci, it says that overall, the results from these studies highlight the utility of a platform that leverages metagenomics 
findings and reverse genetics to identify pre-pandemic threats. For SARS-like WIV-1 CoV, the data can inform surveillance programs, improve diagnostic regions, and facilitate effective treatments to mitigate future emergence events. However, building new and chimeric regions must be carefully weighed against potential gain-of-function concerns. So we can build these chimeras, but if you throw the word gain-of-function into the mix, uh, we might lose our funding. At the end of the paper, uh, the authors also thank Dr. Zengli Li Shi, which is uh, the one who is of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the head of it at the time, for giving them access to bat CoV sequences and plasmid of um, WIV1 CoV spike proteins. They also specified that the research was supported by the NIAID under the grant awards uh, U19AL109761 and U19AL107810. And uh, these grant awards combined together a total dollar amount of $41.7 million of funding for their research and development. Uh, the paper clearly spells out that the NIAID spent $41.7 million on gain-of-function research with the aim of determining how bat coronavirus can be made more pathogenic to humans, and that this research continued after the 2014 moratorium on such funding um, implementation. Uh, now, the NIAID also viewed Dr. Barrick's work on gain-of-function, and what's more, there was a letter from the Department of Health and Human Services to the Director of Proposals at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, that discussed those grants that I just mentioned, and also spelled out in black and white um, what it was being used for. This was uh, October 2001, 2014. The letter states in part, the NIAID has determined that the above-referenced grant uh, may include gain-of-function research that is subject to the recently announced U.S. government funding pause. The following specific aims appear to involve research <clears throat> covered under the pause, Project 1, role of uncharacterized genes in high pathogenic human coronavirus infect by Ralph S. Barrett, Ph.D. project leader, and the specific aim, one, novel functions in virus replication in vitro, and specific aim three, novel functions in virus pathogenesis in vitro in vivo. As your grant is currently funded, this pause is voluntary. So in other words, the NIAID authorized the continuation of what it admitted was gain of function research simply because the grant had already been funded and it did so after the ban on such funding was put into place. That was 2014. And so the NIAID authorized gain-of-function research bypassing the review board. But that's not all, ladies and gentlemen. After the moratorium was lifted in 2017, a special review board, the Potential Pandemic Pathogen Pathogens Control and Oversight Board, um, otherwise known as the P3CO review framework, was created within the DHS. I'm going to change this. 
measles put that up there, right? Because this man belongs in jail. Um, let's see here. The um, um, the P3CO review board, it was created within the DHS, DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, to evaluate whether grants involving dangerous pathogens are worth the risk. The review board is also responsible for ensuring proper safeguards are in place for approved research. Now, according to the Rutgers professor, Richard um, Ebright, an NIH grant for research involving the modification of bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Urology was sneaked through because the NIAID did not flag it for review. So the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology received federal funding from the NIAID without the research first receiving a green light from the Department of Health and Human Services Review Board. Now, the NIAID apparently used a convenient loophole in the review framework. And as it turns out, it's the funding agency's responsibility. The funding agency's responsibility to flag potential gain of function research for review. If it does not get flagged by the funding agency, the review board would never know of its existence. And according to Dr. Ebright, the NIAID and the NIH, the NIH um, <laughs> pardon me, they uh, systemically thwarted, indeed systemically mollified the Health and Human Service P3CO framework by declining to flag forward proposals for review. The NIAID is also committed to continued gain-of-function research. Lastly, Dr. Fauci is also clearly committed to continuing gain-of-function research. Seeing how the NIAID back in August of 2020 announced a five-year, $82 million investment in a global network of centers for research in emerging infectious diseases. That's where uh, Peter Daszak comes in. And Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance re would receive $7.5 million from that grant and planned research um, would include gain of function type experiments that the NIAID says will determine what genetic or other changes make animal pathogens capable of infecting humans. Fauci, again, has repeatedly denied funding so-called gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But clearly, all of these receipts and more show otherwise to that effect. So lock him up, ladies and gentlemen. Lock him up. Hopefully this uh, gets some more traction in the end. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to call it a wrap for the C-Report tonight. I thank you all for hanging out. Uh, let's see here. Good evening, 123SKG. And uh, I hope the uh, grandbaby is doing well there always in Texas. And yes, the Communist Chinese Party, Pilled by the Rabbit, is indeed Tony's boss. It seems like everyone in there right now, and that's who they're, uh, that's who they're uh, calling out for their paycheck. But uh, all right, guys, that wraps it up for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope it was informative as always. It, I attempt to be, if not somewhat entertaining. And uh, we look forward to joining you guys again tomorrow. 
Um, we've had what they call a roving international news day this week. So uh, we may be back again tomorrow with a bit of international news. We'll see. It depends on how the headlines develop. Thank you for the can, 123SKG. Much appreciated. And uh, don't forget, guys, uh, do make sure if you are uh, one who enjoys listening to these types of reports on podcasts, uh, head over to anchor.fm slash the C report. Um, when you do that, you also support um, uh, the work that I do here at Mr. C TV and the Mr. C channel across all platforms. And it's very much appreciated. You know, of course, if you want to check out the podcast, you can also do that on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we should be there as well. This episode will probably go live within the hour or so at the podcast. And then uh, we also have, uh, oh, don't forget to stop in over at um, thecreport.com. Check out uh, what we got going on over there. Still adding some stuff, still still developing the website, but uh, for sure it's had a facelift. If you haven't seen it recently, we uh, redid the entire thing, or I should say I redid the entire thing, uh, but still looking to add some more information on there. Might add like a two the minute news bulletin for the Sea Report, like just in case I'm 10 minutes late over at uh, <laughs> any platform. But this, this time for sure though, it was uh, not connected. What's up with that, Mr. C? Anyways, most welcome always in Texas. Um, I will release you all to, well, actually, let me release the gold pills. And oh, yeah, thank you for the scratching. I mean, and thank you all again for all of your gold pill donations. Uh, we definitely uh, appreciate your support over here at uh, the Mr. C channel. For those of you over at pill.net and also at uh, the foxhole.app. And uh, if you're over on Twitch or Clout Hub and you like the work that we do here, uh, you can always uh, uh, drop a line to our Cash App or to our PayPal accounts, or like I always say to everyone in general, share the uh, share the broadcast, spread the news around. Um, word of mouth is far more valuable than anything money can buy in that regard. There we go. I was waiting to see you guys scratching. All right, the scratch offs are released. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back tomorrow, same place, same time. And don't forget, we also have our uh, Mr. C in the Dark show at midnight as well. So it'll be a fun, fun, fun day. I am so sure of it. We'll see you all until next time. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, be safe and be blessed. And uh, God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.